0: Hello, Julie Surratt. So nice to see you today. Hi! So oh, happy to be here and talk to your people and talk to you. I know. I'm very excited to have you on my show, Balance Beautiful Abundant, and share you with the world, especially because you are my coach. Yeah. So it's been so great working with you.
1: Yeah, it's been great working with you, too. You're up to big things, and I love working with people who are just like,
0: here we go. Let's do it. Here's the vision. Here's the mission. It's happening. That's right. Massive action. That's my motto. You throw all the spaghetti on the wall, and you see what sticks. Exactly. So let's hear a little bit about your story. I know you're from St. Louis, and you got your master's in marine biology. Uh, Help me fill in the gaps. Yeah. So what,
1: what really, um, drove me to do what I do now, which is helping people, um, identify their calling, which I call your Dharma, Mm -hmm. which basically is a Sanskrit word for life purpose. Mm -hmm. Um, what drove me to help people do that is exactly what you said when I was getting my master's in marine animal biology. Um, I found it really challenging. Like the fact that I was going to do all this work and only three people were going to read my dissertation. Like not exactly my idea of impact. (laughs) And like, I was, you know, talking to the Hong Kong government and the world wildlife fund and ocean park. And, you know, there was stuff happening ecologically that they were up to. Like, for example, um, the area where the dolphins, the pink dolphins that are endemic, endemic to that region where they fed, they wanted to create another runway for the airport over there which sucks, you know, like that's, that mm-hmm. sucks. And so a bunch of us were fighting against that and it was futile. Like they, they built the runway and it's sad, you know, it's heartbreaking and there's stuff like that happening all over the world. And so like, it was, it got to a point where it was like, this is not the the idea, the the impact that I want to make. I wonder if there's another way for me to make impact. And around that time, of course, when the student is ready, the teacher appears, I met some amazing people. They were entrepreneurs. They were into personal development. They had like a whole perspective on the world that was like being on another planet, which is essentially I can create my reality. I can manifest what I want. Like I have control over this. It, it truly was like being on another planet. And it was really exciting to me. And I was like, oh, wow, this is really neat. And so I started diving into that. Then I realized that, gosh, if I could teach and empower more people on that thread using a system that I create, and I started to reverse engineer all the things I had done in my life up until that point to create amazing results, which I had, um, and that's what the three pillars of manifestation are, which is what I teach my clients, as you know, um, I thought, I think this could be a more effective way for me to create impact than what I was trying to do before. And like I could still give to the causes I cared about through my time, through effort, through money. Which i would have a lot more of which i do have a lot more of compared with when i was trying to do it like the old way and so that's that's kind of my story that's what i'm up to now and um i'm really happy and excited to say that like that intuition was on point you know and so that's really like that was my calling that's how it went for me and every person has their story and their way to get there to get to whatever is Prosperous and abundant, both in terms of money and time, so that they can give back in a way that they feel inspired to do so for the benefit of humanity.
0: So, is that how you would define a Dharma Queen? Because I know uh, your mission statement is to guide conscious and creative, ambitious entrepreneurs to live out their Dharma. So, you're, you call yourself a business mentor, an intuitive coach, and a Dharma Queen. So yeah. what what is a dharma queen or king in your definition?
1: Yeah, yeah. Yeah, dharma queen is a woman who sees the magnificence and the possibility in other people like even before they do themselves or in a situation Um, She's relentless. She's committed. She um, stands in the vision, even when there's no evidence around her to say that that's what's, you know, I was talking with a girlfriend of mine right before this call, and she was feeling really despondent about some causes that she's passionate about. Just, we all know what that feels like to be in that despondent, hopeless place. And I said to her, you know, like, I hear how you're feeling. If there's anyone who gets it, it's me. Like, I'm, I did, you know, a literature review all about the ecotoxins on the planet and the fact that, like, a woman in India, if she's breastfeeding her child, she's basically giving her child toxins. Like, her breast milk is toxic. It's killer. It's lethal, you know, for her firstborn. So, like, if there's anyone who gets that, it's me. And I still stand in possibility. I still stand in the vision. I still stand in the hope. And I I operate in there, in that and from that every single day. And that's what a Dharma queen does. She doesn't focus on the circumstances or the limitations. She focuses on the vision. And then like you were saying, take committed action based on the vision, not on the limitations. So those are a few aspects of, a few key aspects of what it means to be a Dharma queen.
0: So I know we were talking about this before we were recording. How would a Dharma queen handle the the media and the hysteria and the, the fear that everybody's going through right now with the coronavirus? Because you said you acknowledge reality, but then you stand in possibility. Exactly. How, how would you uh, explain that in relation to the coronavirus scare? Absolutely.
1: Well, keep in mind, I am a scientist. You know, yeah. that is <laughs> Like even in college, my one of my majors, I had multiple majors, but one of them was a neuroscientist. So I do have that background. Like I am grounded in reality, just like you said. Yeah. And I think it's about being proactive, about educating yourself on the truth with a capital T, which sometimes admittedly can be hard to find, um, versus um, taking – like I'm not saying don't be trusting because a Dharma queen also trusts but it's don't be blindingly trusting when you're not even aware of what someone agendas really is, you know? So like the truth is we do live in a world where there's two oppositional forces. We live in a world of polarity. There's love and there's fear. There's light and there's dark. Like the coronavirus scenario is a manifestation of that polarity. Mm-hmm. So it, right now it's the coronavirus, you know, at some point it was, SARS at some point it was you know Katrina and and you know that's a that's a weather disaster but the thing is when you have any kind of disaster there's always going to be a force on the planet because of the polarity that's going to escalate and amplify the fear side of things Mm -hmm. and so it's like um there are people who people who I know who are close to me, like literally like family members who they see the news and they call me up and they're like eating it up. It's almost like they get off on the fear. It's like they've been waiting for this moment to have this evidence that they've been looking for, that I get to be fearful. I get to isolate. Now I need (laughs) to be away from other people, make other people wrong, judge other people. It's like an excuse for them to be right about all the things that they were wanting to be right about anyway. Right. And so then there's the other choice. And it is a choice. It's like, I acknowledge the reality of the situation. Like there is something going around the planet that is killing people. And like, there's always something happening on the planet. Like, you know, there's also uh, sex slavery. There's also poverty. There's like, why are people not talking about that like that's killing and more lives than the coronavirus right now. like yeah. let's let's be aware and let's be a stand even when it's not like the, the popular thing to talk about or to do. Right. And the way we do that is like we were talking about before just now, like staying in the vision. So like when I'm talking to this particular family member who's like eating up the fear, you know, I have a choice. Like do I get enrolled, so to speak, in the fear and swept into that train, that like tsunami of emotions? Because it does have an emotion, emotional signature that comes with it. I mean, I, I remember the first time I talked to her when it kind of caught me off guard, I got off the phone with her and I felt heavy. Like there was like a fog over me, you know, like a pollution fog. And I felt like really sad and despondent. And all of a sudden, my thoughts started to like, it affected everything. It was affecting my business. It was affecting my relationship. It just was affecting everything. And that's exactly what that black, dark, fierce energy wants us to experience. Like, and that's there, whether it's the coronavirus or whatever is happening in the world, right? And so then it's like, great. So how do I shift back into the light? Well, I surround myself with uplifting people like you. I do my yoga practice. I do my emotional cultivation. I pray. I connect with God. I pray for discernment and truth. I look up the facts. You know, there's a great website called highwire.com. I think that's the name of the website in this particular situation. I was watching the video earlier. Um,
0: We'll put that in the notes.
1: Yeah, it's highwire.com with Victory. It's just a resource, and my experience with them is very objective. So that's really like my qualifier. Like, are they objective? Then, okay, then I see that as more truthful. It's not like they have an agenda. It's sponsored by people. Anyway, so I educate myself. I connect myself with people, you know, like Matt, my boyfriend, like he and I are very much on the same page. We're a unified force that like we get the reality, like he was supposed to go on a cruise in a couple of weeks and he's not going to go, you know? So we're like an acknowledgement of that. And we get to, um, be be reasonable, <laughs> yeah. and be a stand for love, and be in the energy and the vibration that that is high vibe, right? So it's it's not mutually exclusive. Like you can still be high vibe and have hard stuff happening around you. Does that make sense?
0: Yeah. So what is, what is being in alignment mean to you? Because your mission statement is that you help people live out their dharma so they can be abundant and in alignment and manifest more time, money, and freedom. So does that mean alignment with their high vibe or alignment with their life purpose? So it's a double question. After you define what alignment means, how do you help clients find their life purpose?
1: So I, kind love of
0: related. I love that so much.
1: <laughs> yeah, alignment is its such a buzzword right now, quite honestly. Um, but it is important. You know, it's like if you like, let's talk about physical alignment. You know, like I love going to the chiropractor. And one of the reasons I go is because I've learned the difference between what it feels like to have my spine be in alignment and not be in alignment. Like it feels really different. So, like before I ran the business that I'm doing, that we're the Dharma Circle that we do now. I like rewind, rewind, rewind back to when I graduated college. I went to New York after college and I was in corporate, like what I was supposed to do. You know, I don't regret that. I'm really glad I did that. I have no like resentment or begrudgingness around that because I think people in their 20s get to have that experience of like working and grinding and getting to know themselves. Like I think that's a really key part that people in their 20s get to have. And I'm really grateful I got to have that. And the job that I was in was definitely not in alignment. And I got to learn that I got to learn the contrast. Right. And so I was feeling down, I was feeling bad. And symptoms of not being in alignment, for example, are I was sick. I was literally sick all the time. Like I had respiratory issues all the time. My I had pre arthritis happening in my joints, like in my knee. Um, I had migraines all the time. I was in a codependent relationship. I was like emotionally addicted to food. Like that's not alignment. Right. So one day, again, when the student is ready, the teacher appears, I made a choice. And I was like, I can't keep doing this. Like, there has to be another way. And at that point, personal development, coaching, like this, it wasn't really a thing. You didn't see it all over the internet. You know, I mean, smartphones had just come out. So it wasn't like people were on their Facebook all the time and that sort of thing, Facebook ads and whatever. And so I just, all I had was intuition. And I just had this intuition. I remember I went home for the for the holidays i went back to st louis from new york for the holidays and i remember saying to one of my family members like what do you do when you really don't like your work like what do you <laughs> do when you feel like really off like when you're unhappy and she thought about it and she said well like i get a new shampoo or a new <laughs> mascara and you know like it's something to look forward to when i wake up in the morning <laughs>
0: consumerism
1: And I was like, okay, I don't think she gets it. (laughs) Not what I'm trying to find out. (laughs) Exactly. And so um, I was like, okay, I get to, I get to figure this out. And I also knew that it wasn't exactly making my parents happy that I was actively looking for ways to get out of the job. (laughs) Right. So like, I have this actually great job in New York city, like, that I wasn't even really qualified for quite honestly like I've been manifesting from a really young age and so I had this great job why am I not happy there was just something in my heart that was like oh there just is something more it was like an intuition a calling so that's when the answers start to come and so like if you're watching this and you're having an experience like that look for answers and when the answers come don't be the person that's like oh but I didn't want it to come that way. Or I don't want to have to do it. I don't want to have to take committed action now that I know the answer. Like, don't be conditional with God when God answers you and the angels, exactly. right? And so all of a sudden, I'm living in this building. I've been in it for two and a half years. And all of a sudden, I noticed the yoga studio in the bottom floor of my building. <laughs> it's been there the whole time, yeah. and I'm only now seeing it. And I go in and I start practicing. And it was the first time... Ever in my whole life, when I felt peaceful and inspired, and like all the noise went away, and it was like the contrast between how I felt when I was in that studio, especially in Shavasana, and how I felt when I stepped out of the studio was so significant that I realized, like, I gotta go there for answers because I can quiet my body and energy down, and that's where the answers will come. And sure enough, that's when I first got the intuition. Apply to grad school for marine biology go get your master's in marine biology go get your phd in marine. Bi- like what like that's the answer it didn't make any sense like just because the answer has come doesn't mean that it makes sense but it started to come in that's
0: right. what started to happen you opened up the channel between yeah. you and divine wisdom and in, in the yoga class that's it i call it body wisdom exactly so i'm starting to
1: open my energy centers my chakras exactly what you said rebecca and so exactly like the information, the body wisdom can start to come in and you feel it. Like you can feel it in your gut. You can feel it in your heart. Maybe you hear it as like an intuition, like a voice. So I started, I started applying to grad school. So I'm like, I'm at work in the day. In the morning, I practice yoga. In the evening, I'm up until two o'clock in the morning reading literature, reaching out to professors, finding out about the programs all over the world. On the weekends, I'm exhausted. So I'm watching TED Talks in bed, (laughs) you know, and so I'm in this amazing city and I'm just like, I got to focus on my dream. I got to figure this out. Long story short, six months after that point, I got a full scholarship to go to grad school for something, again, I wasn't qualified for, you know. incredible. And then the steps just line up. Like I met the right people. I got there, right, but it all started in the yoga studio and it all started with me tr- trusting and
0: following that vision and taking committed action. And then you were in the flow, you know, you were in the flow of the energy. And when you're in the flow, you just take the next step and the next step and the road reveals itself. Yeah. It but when a client is not as evolved as, as you are on a spiritual path, and they just know that they're feeling that dissatisfaction, they hate their job, they hate their boss, they're in an unhappy relationship. How do how do you coach someone like that into finding their dharma or their life purpose? Yeah. yeah. So your original question that I was
1: answering was, what is alignment? Right. And alignment is the opposite of... The feeling that I was describing. Alignment is feeling, and I will get to that question, but I'm going to get there through this. Okay. Alignment is waking up and feeling inspired, if you're going, like sleeping well each night. It's about feeling inspired with the person that you're with. It's about feeling supported, loving your community. I'm not saying life is perfect all the time. Alignment isn't perfect. Alignment is you're in the vision. You're not in the limitation. So... To answer your question, the way that I help potential clients or clients, like to help them become clients, you know, the way that I help people make those shifts is I remember what Tony Robbins says, which is that people are either driven by pain or or, or pain or pleasure. So they're either driven by the vision and, or, or both, they're either driven by the vision and like, I want that. And they're like reaching for that, or they're driven by the pain and the cost of staying where they are now. And in like at some point the cost of staying where you are now becomes greater than the fear of taking the committed action even when you're afraid, right? And that's what happened to me. Like for me, I actually started my business and started teaching yoga and all of that feeling like, you know, I'm pro- this is probably not going to work. Like I literally signed with my first business coach thinking, this is probably not going to work. <laughs> like I'm already thinking I'm going to fail. Right. And I'm like, I'm going to regret it for the rest of my life if I don't at least try. That's that's I how get. I went into it, which isn't exactly
0: super powerful, but it got me going. <laughs> it got you going. It got Now, you brought up failure. That brings me to my next question. That's a perfect transition. What has been your biggest failure in life and what did that failure teach you? Because I don't believe we just fail. We fail forward. And I believe that there's a blessing in the mess. So what was that failure for you? And what was, what was your lesson that you got to learn through going through that?
1: That's a great question. That's a very powerful, evoking question. And I think I'm like, I'm sitting here, I'm like, ooh, like, which failure do I share? <laughs> there are so many. <laughs> there are so many. And there were, some of them were big failures. And there's lessons in all of them yeah um i'll give the I'll give an example for any entrepreneurs who are watching right now because I think something that entrepreneurs i certainly did not realize that entrepreneurs don't realize when they choose to do the journey of entrepreneurship and it is a journey is that it does have the ups and downs mm-hmm. you know and um when I had my first really successful year in business like when I finally made some good money, I was in my mid twenties and that's a tough time to be making really good money because you're also not wise yet. Not saying I'm wise now, although I think I have more wisdom than I did then. But I made my first, like, I made, like, a lot of money and I blew it. Like, literally, I went to this store called Between the Sheets and I spent, like, $5,000 on betting. <laughs> like, it was Like, it was laughable. Like, who does that? You know, I mean, maybe some people do, but it was like, it was like not the most responsible thing to do, you know? And I just remember I was like, so excited about this new like $2,000 comforter, like I was like really excited. But then what happened was I didn't have a reserve when I had a lull in my business, you know? And so then I went through a period of time where I was very, very, very crunched. Financially. And then when you're feeling like that, you know, for someone like me who's really um, driven by results, like I'm a results person, it can be hard to dissociate your identity from your results. Mm -hmm. And so I started to internalize the failure that I was experiencing of having like such little cash, like my accounts being in the negative, my credit cards being maxed out, like feeling like shame that I was a bad person that I was, I mean, it sounds kind of crazy when you say it, but I've been, like, I used to feel like that. Like I went through a moment of feeling that and that felt like a really big failure. And I remember feeling like, am I going to get out of this ever? Am I ever going to be on the other side of this? Am I ever going to like make great money again? And, I? and keep in mind, it's not even like I had never made it before. Like at this point now I've like done it. And then I, That can be even harder sometimes. Like, And I think that actually holds a lot of people back subconsciously from going big is that they're afraid that if they actually go big and create an amazing result, what if I can't do it again? Or what if I'm not going to be a responsible great steward of money? Or what if, I mean, there's all kinds of stuff that comes up that blocks people from even getting there in the first place. And here I was facing this moment of like, am I just an imposter? Like, was it just luck? Did I just like step on some luck and now I'm out of luck? You know, like it's somehow outside of me. Right. Mm-hmm. And um, so that was, that was hard. That was a failure for me. That was really hard. I haven't really told this story before. So I'm thinking like, when and how did I shift? It's not like one of those stories I have that I've told a thousand times. What year
0: was that? What year did you kind of hit that financial bottom? That was a year into my business. Like what and year? So I started from nothing. Year? Was it 08 when
1: everybody's business? Oh went? no, 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 no. At that point, that's when I got, that's when I graduated college. Okay, so, without- so that was actually manifested a job in that recession market, which is a whole success in itself, you know? Yeah. But yeah, it was, no, it was, when was that? It was, um. well, I started my business in 13, so it was 14.
0: Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So it's funny because Think and Grow Rich, which was the first self-help book ever written in 1935, it says that the average millionaire files bankruptcy four times. But a lot of people don't know that. That's interesting. I didn't know that. That that's part of the journey of totally. huge riches is you have to be willing to fail. So yeah, how since you've never told the story, how did you get to the other side? All of our listeners yeah. are waiting on the edge of your on the edge of their seats. Yeah, I think what shifted
1: for me was I realized that. The big boon that I created wasn't an accident and that I'm actually source for everything in my life, both the breakthroughs and the breakdowns. Mm -hmm. And so that shifted my sense of responsibility from life is happening to me to life is happening for me to I can create anything I want. And so I realized, well, if I did it once, I can do it again. And that was such a big learning for me around manifesting. Like I remember one of the things that I did now that I'm thinking about it is I did my three pillars right so whenever I go through hard stuff in my life it's always an opportunity to remember my work that I teach the three pillars of manifestation what are they so, yeah. yoga emotional cultivation which is basically programming your energy blueprint using emotions not affirmations not journaling like actually deeply feeling the emotions of what you want to feel not what's our like not the fear but like what you actually want to feel and then taking committed action and so I started doing that I think that's That was actually a time when I started to really gel in having that point of view. I started really doing that. And I remember I was like really deep in the emotional cultivation side of things of like manifesting and programming, manifesting and programming. And then I had an enrollment call. And then the next day, and at this time, I remember um, I had done some work on the house. And so I had a bill for the house. It was like a five or $7,000 bill or something like that. And I was like, oh shit. (laughs) (laughs) And so I'm doing the emotional cultivation. I'm doing the three pillars. And then this, I get this bill and I'm like, okay. And then the next day I got a painful client and it was a, an enroll. Like it'd been a while since I generated an enrollment, one of those like lulls, like the desert, you know? And so then I generated this painful, it covered that bill. It took care of me for a minute, caught my breath. And I'm like, okay, you know, and then I kept focusing on the three pillars and kept focusing on raising my vibe, manifesting. And then I picked it up again. I caught up again. So I think that's actually the sequence of what happened now. I mean, it was so long ago, but that's what I'm remembering happened.
0: That's great. Now, I, one of the, I admire many things about you. That's why you're my coach. But one of the many things is that you've invested over 400000 in your personal growth and development. So I want to know who has been your most powerful teacher and what was the lesson you took from them? These are such
1: good questions. Oh, my gosh. Where can I possibly? Do
0: I have to choose one? Well, we only have about five minutes left in the podcast. So, yeah. Oh, my goodness. Oh, my gosh. It's whatever pops
1: into your head, right? Stream of consciousness. That's the teacher. That's the lesson. I know. I mean, I got to give credit to Shanda Sumter. Okay. I I mean, she's been my business coach for such a long time. You know, and she started, um, she enrolled me into doing leadership, the hardcore leadership program, and that was life-changing, you know, that was huge. And, um, those two, those two things were pivotal. I mean, other than that, if I had to give credit to someone else, it would be my first yoga teachers, you know, both in New
0: York and Hong Kong. What was the best lesson that Shanda taught you about business? Let things bleed. And what does that mean? What it
1: means is that um, it's okay if something, like for example, um, uh, let me give a specific example. Okay, so I um, had my my website was like really shitty for a really long time. Like it just like the links didn't work. I mean, it was pretty. Like my branding people did it, so it was beautiful, but it just like wasn't really very functional, and it wasn't really like it wasn't as far as if people went to my website. I don't think it was generating leads or anything like that. Like it wasn't like doing anything, you know, it was just kind of pretty, it was sitting pretty, not doing anything. And um, so because I learned to let things bleed, I knew to not focus on that and not make a big deal out of it and not feel ashamed of it um, or, or like focus. Yeah. Anything on it. And so I let it be, I let it be, I let it be. I focused on where my time was best spent. Which was enrolling people into Maya, Money Alignment Yoga Academy, which was coaching my clients and helping them have amazing results, which was being a contribution to the other communities that I'm in. And then finally got to a point I was on elevator pitch just this past year. That TV show. And that's when I was like, okay, this website is about to be seen by millions of people. It's time to fix this. <laughs> and so, like a month and a half before the show went live, I, I connected with a girlfriend of mine. I was like, my website really needs help. You know, but that website was like really not good for many, many, many years until it got to a point where I was like, this gets to be handled because now it's a priority because millions of people are about to see it you know, so letting things bleed. That's
0: what that means. Does that make sense? Yeah. It just like kind of what you told me the other week about focus on my zone of genius. Yeah. Focus on what I can do and what I'm good at, and then either let it bleed or delegate it. Which yes. Is what you did when you yeah. realized you were going to be on that show in front of millions of people as you delegated it to someone who could fix it. That's right. That's it. So my seven pillars are spirituality, physical fitness, emotional, romantic, mental, social, and finally financial, but they all link together. So in your opinion, how does spirituality link to making money? Because I know you're relatively young, you're making great money, you're approaching the seven figure mark this year. What does your spiritual practice, uh, not just yoga, but any other spiritual practices you might have, yoga, meditation, prayer, whatever, tell us how that has manifested and created so much financial abundance in your life. And then we'll go ahead and end the podcast with that million dollar question, because that's what people want to know from you, because you're so abundant. And how does the spirituality tie in? These are such good questions. Seriously.
1: Okay. Well, money just makes you more of who you are. Right. And so to me, my number one priority, number one, my number one priority and number one focus is my relationship with God. Mm -hmm. I read scripture every day. I meditate and do an emotional cultivation every day. And if I miss it, then I make sure to at least, but when I'm laying in bed, Before I fall asleep, I connect, even if that's all I'm able to do that day, if I had a packed day or whatever. I pray every single day. That's my number one relationship. And so I think one of the reasons why I've been able to manifest at the level I have in terms of not just finances, but everything, like relationship, like everything, is because like God knows I'm fully surrendered to God's will. Which isn't to say that I'm resigned and not doing anything. Like, I think people often misinterpret that. But what I, what that basically means is I hear the wisdom, like, apply to grad school in marine biology. And then I trust and I do it, even though I feel afraid, even though I think I'm going to fall on my face, even like even though, even though, even though, even though. And I'm able to do that because I have a very strong, committed relationship with God as number one before anything and everything else. And so it's amazing because like, people have a belief that when you make more money, things will get easier. And that's actually not true. Like when you make more money, things kind of get harder because now you got to bring in a legal team. Now you have to hire an operations person. Now you have to have a great customer service backend. Now, so it's actually like as an entrepreneur, as you grow, new level new devil you have new problems and that can be a lot harder to manage you know it requires a higher level of leadership and so like as i've made more money and dealt with more problems um which is what happens
0: <laughs> no one tells you this stuff it's like um uh, I... told us that Who yeah. what? biggie the rapper mo money mo problem oh, of course well he, he, he told us that but not <laughs> everybody was listening That's, he
1: told us, but not everyone was listening. (laughs) So true. I wasn't listening. I was dancing along to the tune. I wasn't listening to the lyrics, apparently. (laughs) And so the way that I've dealt with that is not to shrink it all back more into my comfort zone or try to control things. It was to go to God and say, oh my gosh, like how can I surrender even more? Like, what would you have me do next? Like, who can I hire like, how can I, what do I need to do? Like, how can I expand to make a bigger in, impact so I can make bigger income? Like, what, what do I get to do? What gets to happen here? And um, not it takes a lot, I'll be honest, it takes a lot of bravery to operate at that level of surrender and trust. And it works for people who are willing to do it. And I'm not saying it's easy. I'm not saying it's for everyone, although everyone can choose it. And it's a pretty awesome place to live. It really is, to me, where the freedom is.
0: So. It's so counterintuitive because you're basically saying the more money you make, the more you have to surrender. Yes.
1: Uh. Michael Singer, The Surrender Experiment. Yeah. Great book on that topic.
0: That is a great book. Well, this discussion has been delightful. I am excited to go deeper with you in these uh, issues as we grow in our coaching relationship. Mm-hmm. So how do people stay in touch with you?
1: Oh, Um, My Instagram account is pretty active. That's at the Dharma circle. I've got my Facebook. My personal page is always Available for people to friend. I do my Dharma talk Tuesdays every Tuesday on there Which is my videos talking about Dharma of various details and topics and then um, also (laughs) We have the free gift, right? Which is a chakra quiz. So some people ask me like you said like how do you what is alignment? How do you achieve it? Well, one of the ways that you can create alignment is to clear energetic blocks in your body. Mm -hmm. And so if you're wondering where you're actually blocked, I have a quiz called a chakra quiz that you can take to identify where you're blocked. And then what's amazing is you can use yoga or many other modalities, but I like yoga the best to actually clear those centers. And then you'll start manifesting differently in your life when those centers are cleared. So um, the chakra quiz is another way to, not only be connected to me, but also to get a next level of clarity for yourself.
0: That's beautiful. Well, thank you so much for sharing time with us. You are just such a light and a master manifester and an inspiration to me and many other entrepreneurs. So thank you for sharing your wisdom. And I look forward to our next coaching call. Rebecca, thank you. Thank you
1: for having me on your amazing platform with your people. And great questions. So this is one of the best interviews I've ever had. So thank you for who you are and what you're standing for. And um I love I, I love every minute I get to spend with you.
0: All right, well. Love you so much. Have a great afternoon. Thanks for listening, everyone, to The Balanced, Beautiful, and Abundant podcast. And we'll see you next time. Bye. Who says you can't have it all? I'm proof that you can. You just have to put your life into balance. Too much of anything, money, fitness, socializing, can overtake your life. When all seven aspects of your life work in harmony, you will achieve the balanced, beautiful, and abundant life you've always dreamed of. Please subscribe to hear more inspiring interviews. Is there someone you know who could benefit from this podcast? Please share this podcast with them. Please review this podcast. Your feedback will help me target your needs and plan for upcoming shows that answer your questions and feature guest speakers that can make a big difference in your life. Follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Rebecca E. Whitman feel free to DM me to book a free balance assessment call. And don't forget, stay balanced, beautiful, and abundant.